pursue your purpose, speak your truth, deal with adult bullies, cope with failure, live beyond fear, establish values, set boundaries, move past trauma. These are all the themes in my Amazon bestseller, The Smart Girls Handbook. Tribers get in close. For 15 years, I have been searching for a book that didn't exist. So I am thrilled to share that I decided to write it. The Smart Girls Handbook is available to buy now from wherever you get your books and also in Canada, the United States of America, New Zealand and Australia. Everything we do is a response to something you have asked for and girl, have you been begging me for a book for years? Who is it for you? The reviews are outstanding. The press has been phenomenal and I am overwhelmed by the amazing support it has had already. This isn't my book, but our book. I realised after my talks around the world, women would be queuing for hours just to ask me one question. I didn't want them to just walk away, but to have a tangible source to have forever. And this is it. This is refreshing, never before read content that will inspire, motivate, empower, inform and entertain you. It's full of my personal development tips that have got me living as my most authentic and highest self, literally glowing from within. My most vulnerable moments and hilarious stories that will resonate with you. The Smart Girls Handbook is a celebration of womanhood and the book missing from your library. So grab your copy today, tag me on Instagram at smartgirltribe and I will send you an exclusive gift just to say thank you. In the past year, 74% of people have felt overwhelmed or unable to cope. Two years ago in the States, 94% of workers experienced excessive stress. Overwhelm and stress can lead to severe mental health issues and of course burnout, which is why I invited Dr Emily onto the podcast, a leading licensed clinical psychologist in New York, to share some refreshing tips and tactics to help you before reaching burnout. Hi, Dr. Emily. Thank you so much for coming on to the Smart Girl Tribe podcast today. It's great to have you here. I'd love to know why do you think, as a society, we are experiencing such overwhelm? Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here today. I think, as a society, the pandemic has played a big part in why we're feeling overwhelmed. Most of us have been impacted in some way, whether it's physically getting sick being worried about getting sick, having financial stressors or work-related stressors, all those things have contributed to feeling overwhelmed for a lot of people. More generally, I think a lot of us are just living in a a very fast-paced, busy life where there are a lot of demands. And in many families now, both partners are in the workforce, um, especially families with children. Whereas traditionally in the past, you might have had one one partner, which was often the woman at home, taking care of the responsibilities at home, which was also a lot of work and very stressful. But each partner had distinct separate roles. Now, in, in many families, we're seeing both partners in the workforce and both partners taking on responsibilities at home. So we can we can say that there are extra demands on people in that sense. Are women more susceptible to feeling overwhelmed, do you think? I think some women are more susceptible to feeling overwhelmed, but we are seeing a lot of men struggling with overwhelm, anxiety, and burnout. I think anyone who's taking on a lot of responsibility, and we are seeing a lot more men taking on responsibilities at home too, can play a big part in feeling overwhelmed. I do think that personality plays a significant factor. 
especially people who are more type A, which are people who are very driven, tend to be kind of anxious, maybe very perfectionist, they have a higher likelihood of feeling more overwhelmed and stressed and even being susceptible to burnout. Completely. And do you think that hormones play a role in feeling overwhelmed? Stress does definitely affect our hormonal balance. We know that stress is linked to cortisol, which can cause a lot of um, anxiety and depression. And it can also become a vicious cycle where stress can affect our hormone imbalance and then our hormone imbalance can affect in turn our mood and our stress levels. So it all kind of feeds into one another. And do you think there is greater overwhelm in some countries over others? For example, if we just took Europe, there are or there is a huge amount of stress, particularly in the UK. However, if we look at our Mediterranean counterparts, they're renowned for living a more relaxed and healthier lifestyle. And especially in Scandinavian countries as well, there are so many books that have been published on Living Lagom, which is obviously Swedish, or Huggy, which is Danish. What are your thoughts on that? I believe culture does play a big role in how we experience stress. I personally, I'm a, I'm a clinical psychologist and I specialize in working with maternal mental health. So I work with a lot of postpartum women. And even in, in that area, we see a lot how, how culture, geographic location affects how women adjust to parenthood. For example, in individualist cultures like the United States, um, when a woman has a baby and is taking care of the family, there's more of a trend towards doing things independently rather than allowing the village to come in and help. Whereas in collectivist cultures, we see more of the village coming in and helping the family adjust. And that studies have actually shown that there are lower rates of postpartum depression in cultures that, um, that do provide more support during that time. So I think overall, your country or your culture's view on stress, work-life balance will definitely play a part in how you experience stress. Do you think that when it comes to overwhelm, women's needs are different to men's needs in your experience? In my experience, I find more that personality plays a role in people's needs when they're overwhelmed or stressed. Like I mentioned before, type A personalities, so people who are very uh, very driven, very anxious, maybe kind of perfectionistic, they might have a harder time with work-life balance versus people who might take more of a go with the flow mm -hmm. approach to life. So I think, I think to kind of sum it up, um, it has more to do with personality than gender specifically. Okay. And talking about personalities then, if you did have a type A personality in front of you and you had to give them advice on feeling overwhelmed before they approach burnout, what would your advice be there? I think the first step is being aware that you're feeling overwhelmed. A lot of times we're not even aware of it. We're very out of tune with our bodies and our minds. And a lot of times our body and minds are giving us signals that we're experiencing something like overwhelm. 
and we might not be aware of it or we might choose to actively ignore it, push it to the side. So I think the first key thing is being able to, to say, you know, I'm feeling irritable, I'm feeling, um, I'm having rapid heart rate, I'm having headaches, my body's, what is my body trying to tell me? And then being able to say, okay, this is what it is. Now, what am I going to do about it? What kind of steps can I personally take that can improve my situation before I reach the point where I'm completely burned out? And it might be harder to, to get myself help at that point. I have a lot of friends who in their industries are fairly renowned. You could say that they're successful, but they refuse to admit when they're feeling overwhelmed because they say that they don't really have the space to calm down or to take a step back. For anyone listening, thinking they can see that their friend is struggling or they have a family member who is particularly overwhelmed, what language can we use? Is there anything in particular we can say to help that person realize that overwhelm does lead to burnout? I think as friends and family members, we should try to be aware of the signs that our loved ones might be feeling overwhelmed. Like I mentioned earlier, sometimes these signs can be not very obvious. Um, For example, irritability can sometimes be a sign that someone's pretty stressed. And when we have a loved one who might seem more irritable to us, our inclination might be to get very frustrated or defensive with them. But it could help everybody if we ask ourselves, is this person maybe experiencing something that they're not aware of? And then maybe bringing it to their attention and pointing that out to them. What is a friendly way that we can do that being the expert? Because I know when people previously have approached me and said, I'm sensing that you're feeling overwhelmed right now. They were telling me at inappropriate moments when I was on my way to a meeting So is there a friendly way to go about this, to navigate this with either a friend or a family member? There's never going to be the perfect time to bring it up. Um, So it is hard to achieve that that perfect moment. Um, For example, if you are in the heat of the moment, you're rushing to a meeting, it's really not the best time to grab a loved one to try to talk to them. You want to try to find the moments when they might be the most receptive. Mm-hmm. They might be few and far between, um, but trying to, to hone in on those moments. And I think when we communicate with people about this, it's important to let them know that it's okay to admit that you feel overwhelmed. I think people feel like it it's a sign of weakness if they acknowledge that, especially women, we feel like we have to take on everything and we might have core beliefs that there's something wrong with us if we try to slow down or if we have to say no to something or we're not good enough if we do those things. So we also need to communicate to each other that it's okay to admit you're feeling overwhelmed and to ask for help. I have read that systems we work and live in are built for burnout, especially in the United Kingdom and the United States. So would you agree with that, that how our lifestyles designed now, it does make us pretty susceptible to being stressed? I would completely agree with that. I think the 40 plus hour work week, which let's be honest, is often a lot more than 40 hours when you're adding in commuting time and overtime, 
it really doesn't leave much for us to take care of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Additionally, if you're adding in caring for family, maintaining a household, that's really not designed to be a lot of time for self-care, which is really what we need. And I think there's also this, um, these expectations that it's, that you shouldn't be delegating um, or that you should take it all on yourself. And that just adds further pressure, which I think is part of the system that we really need to try to change so that people realize that, you know, it's okay to not do everything and do it perfectly. It's okay to ask for help. Mm -hmm. And we all have a personal internal operating system, which is really programmed to work hard and sacrifice personal needs. If we wanted to change this, is it possible to change our internal wiring? Or are our personalities just the way that they are? As a psychologist, I would say it's always possible to change things about ourselves. And when we talk about this internal operating system, in psychology, one of the, the terms we use to describe this idea is core beliefs. And a lot of us have different core beliefs about work or stress and burnout. We might have beliefs that you have to work 60 hours a week in order to be successful. You can't ask for help. We really need to understand what our personal core beliefs are because mine are gonna be very different than yours. Mm -hmm. um, for example, I grew up with um, a father who worked probably 60 to 70 hours a week. And I think one of the core beliefs that I adopted for my upbringing was that you needed to work that amount in order to be successful. And if you were working less than that, you were lazy. And it took me a lot of time to understand that. And it's still a work in progress of trying to change that and, and to remind myself, it's okay to take a Friday off if I need a little bit of time or um, reschedule a client if I'm very overwhelmed. So I think it's very important that we try to get in tune with what our beliefs are and then also ask ourselves, are these beliefs in line with my values? So if, if my values are to be a more balanced person, to spend more time with my children, to create time for self-care, am I acting in ways that are in line with those values or am I disregarding my values? And then from there, we can kind of figure out what types of changes we need to personally make to change that internal operating system. And we have all just gone through and we are all currently going through a very unprecedented time. For those determined to get back on the horse, as you say over here, and overwork, over socialize, what would you recommend for them that they do to avoid burnout? I think the first step is trying to ask yourself, why you feel the need to overwork or over socialize. Are you trying to avoid something in your life? Is work playing a function to help you maybe avoid thinking about a stressful situation, thinking about all the stress you went through these past two years from the pandemic? And then trying to figure out what are the personal costs for you? If you do choose to overwork or over socialize, there are benefits but likely there are costs too. And we always want to be aware of with our behaviors, what are the pros and cons? And again, are these behaviors in line with my values or are they taking me away from my values? 
For a lot of people now, even the smallest of tasks can trigger us because we're, we've gone through almost three years of the situation that we're currently in. So do you think that as people, we will ever go back to how we were pre-2020? Or do you think for those listening who maybe find going to the supermarket being surrounded by people very overwhelming, going back into a working office dynamic, very overwhelming, do you think for those people, they're going to ever be who they maybe were before? The pandemic, or do you think that now, because of the time being two years going approaching our third, that actually it's almost ingrained in them now? I think that's a really good question. And I think there are a lot of different ways that you can answer that. I think in one sense, we are different now. We have gone through a really significant event that's affected all of us. So I don't think we'll ever be the people we were before the pandemic in 2020. However, I do think it is possible for us to evolve and to learn and to grow. And I think it is going to take time. The, the pandemic, when they, at least when things shut down over here in the United States, I'm based out of New York. So the shutdown was very fast, very abrupt in March 2020. And now that we're kind of going back into quote unquote normal life, it is going to take time. So we can't just expect ourselves to jump right back in. We have to kind of slowly ease ourselves in over time and remind ourselves that it's okay to take that time. Mm -hmm. We have been through a lot. What are some of the root causes of burnout and overwhelm that maybe we don't see? Burnout affects us on so many different levels and stress is caused by so many different things other than obvious stressors that we all might experience like work and our commute and family responsibilities, household, diet, sleep, exercise. These all play a huge role in burnout and stress. And it's really important that we're taking care of those three areas of our life if we want to be in the best physical and mental shape possible to manage our stress. And then also, as I mentioned before, our our unconscious core beliefs about work and our personal expectations for ourselves too play a huge part in how we develop burnout and overwhelm. So it's very important that we also become aware of those. What advice would you give to any leaders listening in about how to create a a harmonious work culture? Modeling is the best way to teach people how to change themselves. So I think modeling and encouraging balance in the workforce is really important. I think we also need to maintain realistic expectations of employees. And I think asking for feedback from your employees is also really important. Like, for example, with with going back to work after working remotely for a period of time, I think it's really important to ask your employees how they feel about it or how they would like that transition to look. People are more motivated to, to follow and to do things if they feel like they had a part in creating that change. 
I understand. And what are maybe some steps that each of us can take to prevent overwhelm? It's very important that we're taking care of our physical needs. So we're eating well, we're getting enough sleep, and we're getting some form of exercise in each week. I think it's also very important to establish at least one positive healthy habit that we can each do every day. For me, that's personally 10 minutes of meditation in the morning. For someone else that might look very different, it might be a relaxing bath at night. When I, when I talk to my clients about this, the first response I often hear back is that I don't have the time to do something like this. And it is very, very hard to find the time. But if you make it a priority, you can and you will. And having that one positive, healthy activity for yourself each day, especially if it's in the morning upon waking, really plays a big part in setting up your day to go more peacefully and more harmoniously. Mm -hmm. Are there any questions we can ask ourselves to know if we are experiencing burnout or excessive overwhelm? The number one question is, how am I feeling? Or rather, what am I feeling? An answer for you might be, I'm, I'm physically not feeling well. I'm having headaches. I'm having heart palpitations. Or it might mean I, my head feels foggy. I feel very nervous and scared all the time. Getting in touch with what those signs are and what they mean is the most important way to try to determine if you're experiencing burnout. There are some very specific scenarios where for even the most serene person, they can find them very overwhelming. So what can you do in those highly stressful moments to almost instantly calm down? Being the experts, do you have any tips? The first step would be tuning into your body and what you're feeling. Grounding and deep breathing are two really helpful ways to calm yourself down when you're feeling very overwhelmed, particularly if we're talking about feeling anxious in a, a performance situation like a job interview. The five senses is one of my go-to skills that I try to teach my clients when they're feeling overwhelmed. And that's simply where you tune into the five different senses in your body and you count them down. So you notice five things in your environment that you can see, four things that you can hear, three things that you can feel, two that you can smell and one that you can taste and you're directing your attention to those senses. So you're, you're focusing in on this and kind of letting the other thoughts, the anxiety go out, kind of trickle out to the side. And that can be really helpful in calming you down in those moments. That's brilliant advice. I've never actually heard of that before. It's a very helpful tool and it's something you can do anywhere. So you can even do it if you're in a situation where there's other people around because no one knows that you're actually doing it. You can almost zone out without letting anyone know. Exactly. <laughs> and having clients and being an expert in this field, would you say on the whole, people tend to find themselves more overwhelmed in their personal life or in their professional life? I really think it differs from person to person. I work with a lot of mothers. So I hear for postpartum mothers, I often hear that they're most overwhelmed in their personal life at that time. But professionally, um, a, lot of, a lot of people are 
experiencing overwhelm. So I really think it it has to do more with where your priorities are at that moment or which part of your life is creating more demands. Obviously, our audience tends to be more women. So a lot of our episodes are geared toward women. So being an expert in overwhelm and burnout for women who are postpartum, is there anything you would share with women prior to maybe getting pregnant? Just to be aware of, for example, I've spoken to a nutritionist, a nutritionist before, and they suggested spending about two years, 18 months to two years, really honing in on good food and taking supplements and things like this because that's the time it takes for your body to really prepare for a baby mentally is there anything you can do before you're about to have a baby to almost cultivate a calm mind the postpartum blues are where a woman might be a little bit anxious a little bit tearful but it's often very brief and lasts about two weeks at most if it persists beyond that then we refer to it as postpartum depression, but it can really help women to be aware of the signs of those different conditions so they can they can catch it early on if they start to notice themselves experiencing that. And I think having a good support system in place before one gets pregnant or while one's pregnant is also really important for adjusting postpartum. There's a lot of research out there on the importance of social support and lacking social support and how that's a risk factor for depression. So it is very important that if you don't have supportive family or friends, you take steps to try to create that own village for yourself, whether that's a support group or a therapist or trying out some kind of activity or club where you might be able to meet other people who can understand you and provide some support. Is having a baby the most overwhelming thing a woman can go through, do you think? Having a baby is a huge life change. And often the women that I talk to describe it as the biggest life change that they've ever experienced. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of women would agree with that statement. And is there a task or an activity that we can carry out to work out, figure out, if you like, our priorities. Because I know for me, every single day, I almost have a to-do list. And I, when I'm writing it, I tend to split it into two parts, my goals for the day and then my super goals, things that I'll be very proud if I'm able to get them done. So I tend to split it like that. Being the expert, is there anything that you have come across that is as equally as helpful That's a really good question. And I really like what you do with splitting the to-do list and having your goals and your super goals. I think that that is actually something really beneficial that I might even recommend to my own clients. Um, I find different things work for different people. And I think that's why therapy can be really helpful because as a therapist, I can try to figure out where the struggle is for that person and help them find that tool or that technique that's going to personally work for them. Mm -hmm. As far as other tools that could be helpful, I think a lot of women especially feel overwhelmed when they have a long to-do list and wondering where to start, which can be pretty stressful. 
kind of similar to what, what you described where you write down your goals and your super goals, it can be really helpful to try to almost rank order what's of the most importance mm -hmm. and tackling what's number one, what's number two. And what I also like about what you described with the goals and the super goals is that there's an expectation that it's okay if you don't meet all of your super goals. So I think we have to really try to go into our to-do list with realistic expectations, with which often you'll see people put too much on the to-do list and then feel like a failure if they can't accomplish everything. And then that can make it harder to, to return to the to-do list the next day. And I often see that creating a vicious cycle for people. So holding realistic expectations about how much you can get done in a day is really important. What is some language we can use to inform those around us that we are feeling overwhelmed? The first step is to be very direct about what we're feeling. We can't expect our family and friends or coworkers or bosses to know that we're feeling overwhelmed. So we really have to communicate that directly to people. And then we need to ask for exactly what you need to feel better. So for example, I'm feeling very overwhelmed. I need some help with my children this weekend. It's very clear. It's very direct. And it gives the person a sense of what they can do to provide a helping hand. Amazing. Another thing that can be, yeah. And another thing that can be really helpful if you are feeling overwhelmed, if you, if you have a partner, you have a family, um, even if you don't have a partner, or you're single, you can even do this on your own, but having a weekly meeting on Sundays where you go over the plan for that week and you communicate exactly to your partner um, what you need from them, what your schedule is like, and kind of collaborate on a plan together. Who's going to pick up the kids what day? Who's going to cook dinner? Really get to the nitty gritty of that week so everyone knows what their roles and responsibilities are. That can really help start the week on a clear note where everyone knows what's expected of them. What is the difference between feeling anxiety and feeling overwhelmed? There's a, a very fine line between feeling overwhelmed and feeling anxious. When we talk about anxiety, it's excessive worry about something. When we're feeling overwhelmed, it's often that we feel like the demands of life are more than we can personally handle. So they are very similar concepts, but there's a, a slight difference in how they can present. Can overwhelm lead to panic attacks or are panic attacks almost exclusive to anxious feelings and having anxiety? Someone who's feeling overwhelmed may may be dealing with anxiety and that may lead to panic attacks. Um, there's different degrees of overwhelm and at times we all experience overwhelm. Mm -hmm. Mild forms of overwhelm where you're you're a little bit more alert, you maybe you feel a little bit stressed but you're still able to function in your life. That we would say is maybe a, a healthy or more mild level of feeling overwhelmed. If you're feeling extremely overwhelmed, extremely nervous, very worried, maybe it's affecting your sleep or other areas of your life, then more than likely you might be dealing with anxiety. I also end the podcast with two questions. The first being, what is your favorite quote or the mantra you live by, Dr. Emily? 
I really like Tara Brock's quote. I don't have to believe my thoughts. That comes a lot in play when, when I'm talking about expectations or um, putting demands on yourself with work life balance that just because you have a core belief that you're a failure if you ask for help or you have to be superwoman and do everything perfectly doesn't mean that those thoughts or those beliefs are true and what books or podcasts on this subject would you recommend to our audience I'm a big fan of the psychologist off the clock podcast which is a group of female psychologists who talk about a lot of different topics, including anxiety and stress and work-life balance. And there's a new book um, out there called Be Mighty, A Woman's Guide to Liberation from Anxiety, Worry, and Stress Using mind, Mindfulness and Acceptance by Dr. Jill, Jill Stoddard. She's also a psychologist and she uses acceptance and commitment therapy to help you understand what your values are and the ways in which the ways in which anxiety is coming up for you and how to live a life more in line with what your values are. Well, it was wonderful to have you on the podcast today. So thank you so much, Dr. Emily. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Smart Girl Tribe podcast. I am your host, Scarlett B. Clark, award-winning founder and CEO of Smart Girl Tribe, the UK's number one female empowerment organisation, host of this top-rated podcast, the Smart Girl Tribe podcast, and author. You are my community, my family, so come and follow along for more female empowerment and personal development in our private Facebook group, the Smart Girl Tribe Society, or on Twitter or Instagram at Smart Girl Tribe.